0: deadline on oak street 3. welcome
1: to the housing market i'm with redfin and i'm here to help i need to sell my house great redfin charges a one percent listing fee when you buy and sell with us which is more than half off the usual fee and saves you an average of eighty four hundred dollars
2: oh wow is that
0: all uh yep i'm kidding you had me at one percent want to win sell with redfin it's real estate done right average savings is redfin refund plus one percent listing fee subject to minimums not available in all areas learn more at redfin.com cadre 0 one
1: there's still a ton of immigration. There's no shortage yeah. of people wanting if to If you move can afford Canada. it. You can find people who want to leave afterwards. You can find people who want to go somewhere else. It's still a safe city. There's still, we're never going to have a problem with attracting people to Canada.
2: Right. And that's the thing is how many, you, you only have to attract this many people, right? Yeah. So is there this many people that are willing to come to Canada
0: under yeah, these
2: conditions?
0: My, my challenge becomes like, is it, is it, like, yeah, we can attract the amount of people, right? But I think we've learned as a result of in- interest rates increasing that it's not just the amount of people that creates the stimulation and economic growth, it's the amount of capital that those people have access to, right? And so as credit starts to as the cost of capital starts to increase, you know, your buying power of everyone starts to come down. And everybody's like, Oh, prices can't come down because there's excess demand. Well, there is there will always be excess demand for Canadian real estate, right? I agree with you completely, TK. I could find millions, billions of people in all over the world that would want to move here if, if they could, right? But the question is, can they afford to, right? That's where it becomes a challenge, right? Because, you you know, the average person who's living in the 1% in their country couldn't for the past, I would say until until like a week ago, couldn't afford to, to move to Toronto and get a job based on the wage and price metrics, right? So, you know, you couldn't you couldn't come to, you couldn't have a family of two. You couldn't even have, you know, be a family of two with adult children, two adult children and four income households and afford to live in Canada, right? But but look um,
1: at what they're willing to do though. That's that's something that's underestimated too. And just to kind of give like a counterpoint here is when people come here and they do come with their education, they come with their skills, it's very difficult to get here for even for you to be able to leave your country without a really good, yeah. solid economic situation back home. It may be better than, or not as, as great as it would be compared to the average Canadian, but still you're doing well compared to other people in the country that you're coming from when they come here, they're willing to do things that other Canadians aren't,
0: they're willing to live in the one
1: bedroom apartment with their brother and their sister and all their kids and save 90% of their income and eat like food. That's like, you know, Mm -hmm. their, their expenses didn't double in the last two years. Like the rest of Canadians. Right? right they're taking public transit so they're yeah. willing to do things that are necessary for them to be able to afford i would completely agree but agree. and i but
0: that's and I, but i think that that's sort of how you know you ultimately get to a deflationary situation in the fullness of time right where where like i think that unless we see uh on the lower end like you know minimum wage increasing etc like massive wage inflation as long as gdp per per capita is coming down eventually like the job market will reflect that or Automation will start taking away a bunch of those jobs, right? So, in the fullness of time, I, I would think that we have to end up with a deflationary Canada, even if we're properly repatriating supply chains. As a result of what you're describing, right, that we have people who can be more economically efficient than the average Canadian, because you know we, the three of us, have been raised in such a way that we had access to cheap goods that came from from other countries. We, you know, we've all had access to credit. We could go finance a car. We had great, you know, great health care, great, great uh, education that was paid for by the government or subsidized in some way by the government. These people never had that. Right. And so their, their gratitude towards it. And their what, like you say, their willingness to work for it is a lot higher. And eventually to me, that's like, you get more input into the economy for the same amount of output people willing to work more for the same. Uh, but I think that that takes a long time to, to really materialize. Like it takes yeah. a long time to materialize in some sort of like way that would show up as a data point. Right. And I don't know if, if like the net negative effect of it that we're describing, which is like, you know, I guess there not being enough economy for the amount of people, like, because I think that we've outsized the, there's not like enough things.
2: stuff for everybody, like there's yeah. just not enough stuff, there's not enough schools, there's not yeah. enough capital infrastructure, buses, like there's not enough. But there's, but there's
1: also a horribly, again, just counterpoint there, there's also a horrible inefficient use of the land we have in Canada. And now you have people in the territories now speaking all sorts of different languages. You have, you know, Middle Eastern people living in, you know, subarctic conditions. When we repopulated Canada hundred years ago, the prairies, nobody was over there, you know, all of a sudden it was French and English Canada. And all of a sudden they're saying, bring in the Germans and, you know, all the other, uh, you know, Eastern European populations. And they started to go there and actually produce. So I think that there's, yes, there's going to be a um, deflationary period in the urban centers where people are going to be saying to themselves, look, I don't want to spend this money. Look at the cost of, how how am I ever going to live here unless I can hang on to every dollar that I produce? but there's also going to be a lot of people who are going to be coming and populating parts. We've already seen that look at the population growth in name, any town two hours away right now. Right. Yeah. And that's, and that's that, going to have like, a benefit. Is
0: that, is that more of a domestic led? Like, I don't really know. Right. And I've been trying to get to the bottom of it, but is that more of a domestic led thing? Like, is that Canadians? Like, is that internal migration? Right. Cause it's the same thing. Like you're seeing a lot of people internal migration from, you know, Ontario too. I think, I think this is the first, I just, just shared the article. It came out in Toronto star. I think it was like the first year, in like a half a century, where more people are moving to Quebec from Ontario than from Quebec to Ontario, right? So there's we're actually net exporting people, we're net emigrating to, to Quebec, which is crazy. Um, <laughs> are they from they Ottawa? Are they yeah. from Ottawa? But 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 like so, you know, there's the, like things like that, right? And then I, I think that the other the other very interesting part, and to me probably the most important part of like, when you ask me if I'm, like, where where I think about in, in, in terms of Canadian real estate, I think in terms of, like, where the pr- proper job growth is going to be. And conveniently for me, those are places where I can actually still buy real estate under replacement cost, right?
2: This show is sponsored by... Lord. How's All right. That TK? That was a good hit. That was a good, that was a good little, that for uh, a little segue. Segue.
1: <laughs> Yeah. No, but what? I've been playing with I've been playing with it a little bit, you know, like oh you've my God. got uh you got a lot of different functions like anybody that I've brought it to, they have, you know, encrypted back ends, they know exactly what they're doing. The main thing is is that you're going to get analytics on your deals to know exactly where you stand. You're going to know way more information than you would just by using an Excel spreadsheet or, you know, what honestly, the majority of investors that I know of uh, have a very vague picture where they stand with equity cash flow and actual you know net dollars and return on investment so huge system really nice uh, you know layout and and platform the way that they've got it all set up so it's free check out the link open it up register an account put in one of your properties put in all your properties analyze some deals whatever play with it and uh, see what you think and let us know in the comments well just don't listen to us come to the webinars
2: wednesday june 1st 7 pm eastern time toronto time we have our webinar Uh, and also, yeah, go click on the link below and register for free and check it out.
0: So I've been purchasing real estate in like French river, Ontario, as an example, Sudbury, uh, you know, like a lot of area Kirkland Lake, like, et cetera, a lot of areas with exposure to again, like those, those industries that I've mentioned. And I'm not, Daryl, I'm not sure if you're on the Twitter space when we did like the coast to coast things, but like with the stuff that those uh, Saskatchewan guys...
2: Yeah, Saskatchewan's crazy.
0: And to me, like, again, like, the, the prairies... So, first of all, Saskatchewan is one of the only provinces that did... Or, sorry, it is. The two cities are the only two cities that di- haven't seen growth since the beginning of pandemic. So, basically, prices are the same as before as they they are now. Mm-hmm. And to me... And, like, even if we see a bit of a recession, maybe they will actually see more of a contraction in prices there just because of credit tightening. But th- those are areas, like, to me... We talk about metals, right? So like what my question is like, where, where are we diversifying the Canadian economy into and like you can grow we could grow potentially enough of a grain supply because grain is going to be a big thing. Saskatchewan is
2: the place dude. We we did a whole show on it like a few months ago. I don't get why everybody
0: isn't like flying into Saskatchewan. Right. And it's a beautiful province too. Well,
2: the land is flat.
1: But so is the real estate market. It's not exciting. It's as flat as the land. But that's attractive to people when they come here. And if you don't have ties to a major city because you haven't been here your whole life, you're going to pick up your suitcase and your daughters and you're going to tell your wife that you're you're moving to Saskatchewan, Saskatoon or the closest place
2: if rule number one of investing is to not include appreciation and you can buy something for 300,000 that rents for like 18, 19, 2,000 bucks a month and hang on to that thing forever. Like Saskatchewan sounds pretty good. No,
0: no, I'm like, that's, so that's what I'm saying. Right? And like, jobs like on, on a place like, like those, those two major metros to me are, are, are sure things, right? It's like, you can, you know, even like you're saying, like, you don't need the appreciation. You can buy them at a 10 cap, right? And if they just go up at the value of inflation or whatever, but to, like the other one would be like maybe a Cornwall, Ontario. Cause again, like you're seeing uh, a lot of, I think um, Walmart's um, distribution center is there as an example. It's mm-hmm. an hour from Montreal, an hour from from Ontario or from, from Ottawa, right? So um, areas in which like there are good jobs because to me, like as we start to see potential wage inflation and, and real estate just trade based on actual fundamentals, <clears throat> the capital, the good capital, the good growth is, go- and the good economy is going to follow the jobs. Right. So places like, Cur- like, and, and you go to Cornwall, you can buy a house, you buy a duplex for like 300 grand. The average so to- person the- can afford to buy the average house. Yes. Well, but any you're but if you're thinking from an investment perspective, it's like, yeah. yeah, like, and so those people will always prop they're your price for, it. and as long as those people can earn wages in that area, which they can right? And same thing in Sudbury, because there's mining jobs, like miners are making Stupid money in like yeah. in northern Ontario right now, like it is crazy. I go up there like a couple of times a year, just and then we also are like we're up there just looking at properties, purchasing properties, etc and like the, the 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 balling out that you see is like everybody's new truck new trailer they got like the the big road. Trailer. yeah because they're, they're making like, like,
2: like, like, like old like pickaxe 60 bucks an hour <laughs> and like
0: oh man and like that's short that life they're,
2: expectancy
0: they're, <laughs> like bonuses and stuff like that like guys like doing machine Moving. operating like it feels like like fort mac and like you know the the 20 like 2010 kind of stuff right what's like, there
2: is it like a lithium miner or something for what that well I'm Ma- asking where you're talking about
0: oh yeah well kirkland lakes gold right and then like oh. sudbury is a nickel capital, I think of like North America, maybe the world, I don't know. And like, so these are things that are ne- becoming this, like they're necessary uh, commodity metals for electric vehicles, et cetera. So That's what ramping up follow. lithium, like they're putting in gold mines in like in like crazy places all over, like there, uh, you know, there's a new one in the Spanish forest as an example, like the infrastructure spending up there is just, is just wild to me. And like Sudbury, they saw a huge inflation as a result of COVID, but um, prices, so prices there are probably just above replacement costs. For your average product but like you go outside of Sudbury like you you can come south so closer to Toronto like somewhere between Perry Sound and Sudbury and you can buy and this is in the French River and I'm probably gonna I'm gonna end, end up inflating this market as a result of this conversation but lots of people buy, are hearing this right now what's the heck lots no. of people are hearing this all, right all you, like,
2: six people are rushing yeah, over there
0: <laughs> so, but, but you can uh you can buy North. like you can buy a do like I think we just picked up a fourplex for like 300 grand right like a legal fourplex like, a, four a fourplex this is Kirk, Kirkland Lakes to Toronto than then, than Sudbury right yeah Kirkland Lakes right well I hope Those so kind of well, Kirkland Lakes Kirkland Lake is north uh yeah. it's, this is French River so okay French so River. it's like you're if you're driving up the 400 it's like Perry Sound French River Sudbury kind of mm-hmm. like that's like loosely
2: this it. in Manitoba
0: no, on, in Ontario. It's, both, man. It's, like,
2: it's like a two and a half, three hour drive from, wow. from yeah, from Toronto. Nice. So, but and so why, why, okay. So who's buying that stuff? End users, or like, I mean, you're not an end user, and we all so so let's kind of segue renting into it. that. Well, so He's we renting got it. we got this K-shape economy now, right? And we have all of these things in, in the sauce. So so like what does the Canadian real estate market look like a decade from now?
0: Again, like to me, I think if you return to the, you know, a lot of these unskilled labor being pushed out of the economy, like I've traditionally always tried to tailor housing to the type of people that most people don't want to rent to. So um, a lot of your like, O W Ontario works, um, ODSP, et cetera. Like people who mo- most landlords are like, ah, I'm not going to, at least that was my experience. Right. Like, cause I work with a lot of landlords. I work with a lot of investors and a lot of them don't want to take on those type of tenants. So I, 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 in the GTA, it's different though. Uh, I mean,
1: yeah. Like I been saying so in the no. GTA, they say no, because that is well below market rent.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, when you're in yeah, a community yeah. where
1: the market rent is six, six, seven hundred dollars getting right. somebody on the same provincial support, not so right. bad.
0: Well, yeah, yeah. But I don't even know if there is a market in Ontario that is like sort of the price floor, I would say, like, I tried to do some research on this, but basically, like, it seems like the price floor of of rent in the province, province of Ontario is sort of set at what your ODSP shelter allowance would be, or OW shelter allowance would be, which I think has gone up now. I think it's like just shy of a thousand bucks. So, and I think if you were to, you could probably test this, you could probably put a a, a unit up anywhere in Ontario for a thousand dollars. And I can almost guarantee you would get like a hundred inquiries. Right. So uh, and that would be you know Kijiji, Facebook Marketplace, whatever. So to me, I think that you're going to start to see again. Like I think we'll start to see uh, a workforce that where you know um, migration will put, have. I would say almost deflationary effects on on the on the wage side. Um, I think unskilled labor will will start to to disappear. I think like demand for unskilled labor will start to disappear as we start to automate, innovate, etc. Um, regardless of whether or not we repatriate the the supply chains, and I start I think like. You know, if you if you think about, like, I grew up uh, about an hour north of, of Toronto, so a small town in the GTA, um, and, it, and it would be one of those markets, like famously, it, it, you know, for in the 90s, like, you know, people were, would make fun of me at the school that I went to because I was from Keswick, right? So, um, and it was like, uh, it, you know, often associated with welfare and things like that. Um, and I think you're going to start to see a lot of those, there's a lot of people who can't afford the quality of life or can't afford the lifestyle, like you're saying in the GTA, and they're going to start moving Elsewhere, right, and they could be north, it could be east, it could be west, whatever it is. But they're going to start going further away to, for to, for their retirement, right? Because we have, like, to me, the the biggest deciders, at least domestically, the biggest deciders in what's happening in the housing market in the next ten years is is baby boomers, right? And so, what what are they? How are they going to behave? And to me, it's like I think you're going to see a lot of this drive till you qualify to find housing, like ownership outside of the gta and you can go you know proximity to a hospital maybe proximity to a border in the u.s proximity to a casino like i work i work with a lot of guys who who uh develop this kind of stuff and those are like some of the things that they're that they're looking for right so a place like cornwall becomes compelling sarnia maybe windsor etc right you know uh, kirkland lake french river doesn't become as compelling right um but though and and so to me it's like where are where is your sort of price floor or your, where's your marginal renter moving and where's your marginal buyer moving the people who who because i i think that as a result of the k-shaped recovery there's more people on that bottom line than on the top line we don't feel it as much because of where we're located right and, and maybe because of our, our careers and our lives and whatever but there's more people on that bottom line of the k-shaped recovery where are they going what are they doing because there's more dollar volume that exists on that bottom line than on the top line, right Good more points, yeah. more so,
2: transferred from the bottom line to the top line.
0: I think, well, it, it, I guess it was in the middle and I think more got the pushed.
2: Volume, were,
1: the
0: volume, the, the more total people?
1: volume is- More people,
2: okay. but sending it up to the,
1: sure. to the top line yeah. eventually. And I think, I think the baby boomers know this and I think that they've got the wealth to be able to make those decisions. I mean, not all of them are in that position. I deal with a lot of them where they're they're selling their most prized possession and they don't have a retirement plan that involves them staying. And, well, so and who the hell to, wants
2: to go into a retirement home now?
1: I was at one part of week. the plan. <laughs> I was at one this week. It's four grand a month just for the, yeah. the regular apartment. Then if you want at, services uh, on top, nobody's look going at how the horrible press yet.
2: they got. Like look at how no, bad these are nice people new, were being treated. These in are,
1: them. these are new fancy luxury ones that are, that are out there that the, you know, the competition is, is driving to, to better standards. Um, but the people that are moving, like they do have to make a decision. Now they're in their sixties maybe pushing 70 they don't have the money to be able to stay where they are they don't have the uh you know some of them still have small mortgages and stuff like that they don't have the income post-retirement to be able to support anything locally whatsoever and they're looking at what their options are and there's not many where does someone where does someone go like where do you go to maintain well, but, that lifestyle all those things that you name there the hospital the casino you know all these type yeah. of stuff like where do you where do you go that's, really well, that's why you that go option.
2: far because it's like you know what I can outbid everybody over here, get something amazing. Like I'm not working anymore.
1: And bidding against your neighbors though, your neighbors drove with you. They were three cars
0: back. They're bidding on the same property.
2: They they should have been in the front.
0: I think that the the interesting part when you talk about it that way, TK is like that, that demand starts to dissipate. Right. Because like you have a lot of, let's say you have a, you know, it's concentration of population in the GTA Let's just say, right, or the Greater Golden Horseshoe, and as they start to dissipate, they go. There's, there's more markets for them to go. So, like the competition does decrease as you get further away. Yeah. How many people
2: actually want to buy in those markets? Like one. They got their grandkids.
0: They are going to be too far from my grandkids. Yeah. It is. It is. It's a stability. Yeah. Well, if you look at like you know your typical, there's like these Y graphs that they draw in urban economics. Um, maybe I'll try and share one on Twitter or something after. But basically, like. It's proximity to right. So like a, a manufacturer would be they want to be located somewhere in the middle of, you know, where they're getting their inputs and where they're selling their outputs. Right. Um, and and but human beings have that, you know, like end users have the same kind of thing. Right. Like you're saying, like, well, I want proximity to healthcare, but I also want to be close to my grandkids or I need to be close enough to a major international airport so I can fly to Florida for the winter. But I also want, you know, to be in a rural area or whatever it is. Right. But like
2: I want an I acre. Need-
0: yeah. 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 And, and so like, as we start to see, that's why I'm trying to think is like, what do boomers want? Right. Like what, and, and the more that we can think about that, you can make informed investment decisions. Right. Because I think th- I really do think they're the next big move. I, like the reality is millennials predominantly purchased and, and, and sold real estate in um, during the, the pandemic. I think something like 25% of millennials bought a home since the beginning of COVID. Um, or tr- maybe transacted them, but I think it was bought. Um, and and boomers didn't really do a lot, right? Like they weren't doing a ton. A lot of a lot of them stay put because we have this huge concentration of wealth
1: nowhere to buy primary
0: residence. What's that?
1: Nowhere to buy for them,
0: right? And right? well, and it's like it's like, well, where do I go? And like they yeah. they're they've they've seen market cycles. Like there's a lot of psychology behind it too, right? Yeah. A lot. of Anybody who's a boomer. Right now they're seeing this run up, right? They're seeing all of these people and they're seeing the whole country talking about housing, everybody flipping houses, making, making tons of money, talking about speculating, whatever. And they're thinking, this sounds a lot like when I bought my house in 1990. Right. Yeah. And so they're like, kind of just, uh, let's just wait. I'm just going to sit this one out and see how this all shakes out. Right. And and yeah. That's kind of where we're at now. I think like as we exit this and they start getting back to more normal buying powers, they want, they, they don't want to, they don't want to get into bidding wars. They don't want to have bidding wars on their houses, right? They don't want to have hundreds of people through their houses. They don't want to have some fast talking agent come in and tell them to rip all their furniture out, restage, paint, blah, blah, blah. And then put it on the market, go up, go to, I'll send you on vacation to Mexico for a week. And then I'm going to have a hundred offers for you when you get home. Right. They don't want that. They really They're don't Good services.
1: Well,
2: but
0: so how yeah, many I just, people yeah. are And I'll do how, it for 1%. Yeah. (laughs) How many people are out
2: there that like in the last couple of years, just uh, refinanced their house to help their kids buy a place. And uh, you know, they were, because in their forecasting, you know, the market was still going up, was still going up and they had, you know, felt wealthier because of what was going on. And then all of a sudden the house that they bought for their kids going down in value, their house is going down in value and their retirement that they've been counting on is also going down in their minds. How many of them are like, fuck, I better sell this thing now before it gets even worse. Cause I don't know what's going to be because I did live through the eighties and the nineties. Right. I did live through two thousands. I did live through 2017 and like, I'm younger than the boomers, even though maybe I act like a boomer. And I was even like, this is 2006. This is 2007. I, rib- everything is real estate. Like, I don't feel good anymore. I, yeah. I, I don't like this. I'm nervous, right? And so those guys are probably, there's, there's different levels. But people that were really counting that house as a retirement must be like, what the fuck do I do now? Yeah. Especially if they just levered it more, right?
0: Well, I think statistically, like, the, it, what the person you're describing is the majority of Canada, right? Like, I think some, I think the stat is like seventy percent of seventy percent of can, the Canadian net worth is concentrated in the principal residence, right? So, like, and what the move that you're describing, this is the part that's really messed up to me, right? It's like the move that you're describing is actually levering up again, like your net worth, right, to create hopefully like a, a more net worth for your for your children. It's exposure to the same asset, right? So, like, you're borrowing against eventually their inheritance realistically. Right. Cause mm-hmm. you know, that, that, and, and for your, for your kids, that's an asset to them that it's an account receivable, really like eventually you're going to die and they're going to get your, your, so it makes sense maybe from a tax planning perspective, right. They don't have to pay probate tax or whatever on, on some of that money. Now it goes into something that's an untaxable asset, unca- untaxable capital gains asset for them. Like I get why a lot of it makes sense, but the problem is it increases your, let's say your your you know your generational wealth. It increases your your family offices exposure to the primary residence being your primary investment vehicle, right? Canadians don't have, and th- this is where, from my perspective, you're not creating a diverse enough economy, like at at, at its core, right? When you want to get to a place like Germany, as an example, where most young people are renters, right? You, you see a lot of multi-generational home ownership, but like and de- in the detached space is mostly ownership, but anything apartment style, any young people that are in, in urban areas, it's all institutional ownership and they're renting, right? But the average net worth of a of a millennial in Germany is higher than the average net worth of a millennial in Canada, right? And they're not invested in real estate at all on average. Hold right?
1: on. I thought you had to own a home to be rich. Right.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I know, thought, right? Yeah, thought, you don't it. own
1: a home, you'll never make it. Yeah,
2: gonna, yeah. that's
0: a Canadian thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: But we've argued it a bunch of times that like if you rented and invested your money in something, you know, that was, I guess, timed well because everything's fucked right now. But like you could have made a lot of money outside of real estate done way better than inside real estate for sure. If you timed things right, you could have made some ridiculous money off of very little investment and cashed out and bought a piece of
1: real estate. The, yeah. the boomers right now don't have FOMO. They have Fuckmo, which is fear of the kids oh. missing out. Really? That's what it is. No, especially I, when got, I got a meeting today. So today's meeting, I'm meeting with somebody who's financing their kids, doing the whole mortgage for them. And they told me the area that they're going to be buying in. And it's like, I'm, I'm one to one and a half million for sure. Like you're not getting it any cheaper and they're going to be the kid's bank. No, what? no, no bank necessary. Because the mortgage. kid
2: can't qualify. This is the problem. The parents they're, have they're... watched the parents have watched the market run up 30%, 30%, 40% or whatever the numbers have been and said, "Holy shit, my kid is never going to get in the market unless I help them." And right. I just made a million dollars last year by doing fuck all but sitting in this thing.
1: Right? Yeah. And I want to a, a lot of people, a lot of I moved one couple uh, last year and their kids moved to Saskatchewan, Saskatoon actually. Both their sons went out there or one son did. He said it was not bad. So then the other son didn't have much tying them down. So they sold. They're all living happily ever after in Saskatoon. The whole family.
0: Yeah, I believe it. Yeah.
2: I believe it for sure. It balls, I don't know if I, I could do it,
1: but I believe it. That's the move it. right there. I'm telling you. You live, yeah. you live happier and longer and, and you get to see your grandkids and your kids will have a better life. I'd love to yeah. say everyone belongs in Toronto. We've talked about this before, Daryl, but not everybody belongs in Toronto
0: no That's and fair. like i think that you know when you hear like european people talk about you know how how america especially like when they talk about new york right people people work to live they don't live to work or whatever you know what I mean? like that those comparisons like you really feel that in toronto compared to compared to other places in, in canada even right like it's just like yeah. and you, i don't know like I, I i started doing tiktok right like as like just to try and make tiktok more bearish and like pointing pointing at charts and stuff like that but like the sentiment there from young people of like how how toronto is just basically like a depressing city because you can't get anywhere right like i think you're kind of in that late cycle economy of, of and i don't know if you've like ever heard of the book um life and death of great american cities or death and life of great american cities by jane jacobs but i'd highly recommend reading it but it talks about like sort of these cyclical things that happen both on like a planning side because she was a planning uh, analyst or like planning critic i guess um but also on the economic side, right? And and I think Toronto is really in one of those like very late cycle kind of things where you start to to really experience some challenges. And I think that like you can can emerge victorious on the other side of that, but the next decade is gonna be very important for decision-making for the city of Toronto. I really feel that way.
2: With regards to what kind of decisions, what's the most important decision that the city of Toronto has to make?
0: Well, I think it needs to be a, a city in which you can have, like New York did a, a good job as as things started to get insanely unaffordable um, and they, they tied things together nicely. Like, you know, you have a, like a lot, you know, working class living in places like Brooklyn and Brooklyn's like a super sexy place now. Whereas, you know, in the 90s, it was not at all. Right. And then, and you're even starting to see ramping up in places like Queens, et cetera. Whereas like Toronto, we have these boroughs, but they're not even like, they're not even more affordable than, than you know, I mean, you're getting... You know Scarborough. I think Daryl. I don't. I, I, you have a project yourself, right? I, like what? What is it? Fourteen hundred bucks a foot. You guys are selling twelve hundred uh, bucks. A foot? We're
2: we're not selling anything, but prices right now, like like I just tweeted the other day. I have a, a client in my other business uh, in Stoville that just shelved the project because they have yeah. to get eleven hundred bucks a foot yeah. in order to make it feasible. Right. I know. I mean, look, when I first bought my property in Scarborough, they were I got a I got a, an analyst to give me a report that 750 a foot I could sell stuff for. Yeah. Right now guys are selling between 1000 and 1100. Right. I don't know which way things are going on the next launch right now, but the last couple have all been 1050, 1080. Yeah. But I don't know that that's going to be the same thing moving forward for the next few months. I mean,
0: downtown, maybe. And I would agree with you. Like, I I actually think that, you know, from I think when you think about Toronto, you need to think about it at a national level. Right. Like as much as I hate to be that guy who's like, oh, it's the capital of Canada or whatever. But it's like economic hub of, of Canada. And if we if we had a world class city or a world trade center here, that's it. Right. And so it is controlled a lot at a national level. And I think the first time I was ever on your podcast, I said, if they, the best thing that the government can do for for Canada, for the future of Canada is to let the, the housing market burn to the ground, let it burn to the ground. And like, you know, poetically, like a Phoenix, let it rise from the ashes. It has to happen seriously. Like if you don't let that, that natural course of business, Take place like these are these are real things that happen in nature, right? Like you know the you know, a forest fire happens so that the special type of fungi can come and cleanse the earth, and this new type of tree grows. Like this shit is real, right? Mm-hmm. And like it happens economically too because it's really just a function of like a bunch of animals trading paper with each other. Daniel, right?
2: wake up! Wake up! You're dreaming. Wake up!
0: Yeah, but it's but all actually, a dream. I think that I think that like the mo- the more the more that we try and. Uh, control what is inevitable the more that we we break the the result right and so the like bigger think, the fire is going to be yeah exactly for yeah. sure yeah yeah, yeah. and, and, and the longer and, it'll take for us to get to yeah. that and so i yeah uh, tunnel yeah, yeah i think that burn, now right? now it's the reality is in Canada, like we kicked the can way further down the road than we have than we should have. And, and now the Fed is responding to inflation and we don't have a choice but to but to, to follow suit, right? D- Daniel so, Foch, long
1: long time bull, short time bear.
0: Yeah. Short term bear.
1: No, but <laughs> he, I feel the same way. He knows way. it. He knows it. That's okay. That's okay. I feel the That's, exact same way. The yeah. thing
2: is, is are are they gonna douse it out and let it burn? So so okay.
0: What could they do? Honestly, like uh, what what could the government do to to make things better? C- they could increase the supply chain and flood the market with supply. No, they're not capable nope. of doing that. Impossible.
2: It's not but even an. the or the
0: province can't do it. Right. They yep. could increase maybe the CMHC cut off to one point two five million to try and strengthen the price for uh, I don't I mean, whatever increases
1: right? the price. Re- re-
0: re- uh, remove stress tests they could remove the stress test, right? Yep. I think those are really the three things, right? I don't I don't think there's
2: amortization, amortization period.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't, like to me it's like the stress test will get peeled back before they extend an AM, right? I don't know if we need longer mortgages here. I, I think we need to get rid of the stress test if they want to to strengthen the price floor. I think that those policy decisions are probably already in the works right now, but I don't think they're be I don't see any of them being deployed until we're at like minus 30 Minus 40%, honestly, like, and, and then they're like, okay, yeah, this is getting out of hand. You know, we should probably, we should probably step in here. And-
2: minus 30, 40% where? In
0: Canada or in Indian Toronto? No, I mean, you, you can't, yeah, I mean. Oshawa. You can't, yeah, you can't say like, <laughs> I, I guess I'm, I am referring to, again, and, and like when I talk about the national context, right, you have to imagine that like the amount of trade volume, the amount of dollar volume that happens in, in the greater gold, the horseshoe is a huge portion of the amount of dollar volume that happens in Canada. Right. So I think it's like, what is it? It's like a third of the population even lives in, in sort of like below a certain line in Ontario of like the entire country. Right. And like, I think 90% of the population lives within like a hundred miles of the U S border or something like that. Maybe, maybe it's, it's a further distance. It's very, no, it's
1: very close to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's insane. So
0: I mean, again, when you, you know, the government is, is, I'm sure that national metrics matter, but if you think about again, like, where are most, where are we trying to attract most immigrants to places like Toronto, Vancouver, etc.? where are we, you know, these are places that, where do you, most
1: politicians at the federal level live?
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good one. Right. Like, yeah. but, and so it's, you know, those are places where they're going to try and control the pain the most. Right. Um, and where they're paying the most attention to the data and the greater Toronto area as a very good example is, you know, is down in some areas like close to 30% already. So, you know, I, I think that um we'll start to see a policy response i think the stress test is like tk i would agree with you i think that's the first one it's coming yeah yeah for sure. Something, sure something change sense, to it right? yeah. we're at the stress test rates from before yeah. the stress test did its job now right yeah. so like, do we exactly. get
2: a do we get a recession or do we get a depression style event
0: well, I think if you ask people on the lower line of the K-shaped recovery, they're already in a depression cell event, right? Like, I, I think that we just haven't really felt it. And and if you're in the greater golden horseshoe, you probably haven't felt it. But I think we'll have a pretty severe recession, right? I, I think that, you know, but the, the challenge is that that phenomenon is different for everyone, right? And so for people who are on, on you know, and that they have been pushed down out of the middle class, it's going to suck a lot more. Um, I think the reality is we're probably, like, our output really, you, you don't feel the economic output of Canada growing right now, right? So I, I think we're probably already in a recession. The, the challenge is, you know, inflation is running so high that it's pushing up the GDP numbers, right? So, and it's really hard to control for that. It, it, like it might take a while for for those numbers to actually show up in the data, right?
2: So, so, and then one other thing I just wanted to add into the mix here is when we were speaking to our friend in Saskatchewan, what he mentioned, and I think it's integral is that like our government is um, like suffocating our ability to export things. Right. Right. And and our prices are kind of being fixed by our trading partners to the South. And like, this is why I kind of see like between the age and, and just geopolitics and, just how things are playing out. Like I just see a decoupling more from the States and like, don't we need those resources to stay at home? Like can't Canada become this like superpower that can afford this growth if we get more control over our natural resources and start putting them out to the actual market?
0: For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think we're the second most resource resource rich country in the world, right? um i would say it's we don't have the leadership to do that I, and i don't think we have like in you know for the past century right like and it might it might go return to that authoritative versus democracy question right like yeah. but you know it's, we don't have the army to do it we
1: have tra- we have trade agreements that are that are not in our favor right yeah because there's other. We don't even we have don't. people
2: that want to fight for the country, let alone an army. There's
1: a, there's other things that we don't have, and and those agreements are, have been in place for a while. But you're right. I mean, we could be one day, but it's not happening anytime soon.
0: So, right. Happening. Anytime I, I think soon. we have what it takes. Like I think we have what it takes physically, you know, quantitatively. I don't think we have what it takes qualitatively, and I, that would go back to the spirit of the Canadian people, right? Like, I, and I'm not like that's not to be insulting. Like, it's just like we don't really want to be a global superpower, right? Like, again, if you go back to that discussion about China like the the you know capitalistic system um you know being built into a true marxist system capitalism you know at, at scale and you look you can see this in any country that's ever that ever ran or, or sort of had a, a um, power position globally right there has to be some sort of exploitation of a lower class and a middle class or, and an upper class right the proletariat and the bourgeoisie that's like what that's sort of what this whole system relies on cap, from a capitalism perspective. Right. And in Canada, we were like the, the reason we could attract immigration. The reason we had such high quality of life is we almost had like this Scandinavian style. Everyone's middle class. Everybody can finance a $50,000, $60,000 Benz. Everybody can afford a 3,000 square foot house within driving distance to a major airport in the, in the central financial district. Now that's completely gone, right? And it could be gone as a result of a number of different factors, but mostly probably monetary policy and 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 uh, misallocation of of wealth right of of assets um, my,
1: my memory today on Facebook came up two thousand and thirteen, and I never read these, and it just came up and it was like I couldn't believe that uh, the timing of it, but it's from two thousand and thirteen and it says a three thousand square foot house is now eight hundred thousand. Right. how are young families ever going to be able to afford a home you know and yeah. I, I was like giving advice to young buyers like you know get into the market and build slow yeah. and all that kind of stuff yeah. Eight hundred thousand. what's what's the average three thousand square foot house down in the gta
0: probably just shy of two mil it's a lot of money yeah, it's like one nine eight like the the, low, the lowest
1: would be
2: crazy. probably
0: one five in oshawa
2: it broke two million yeah if you're point. yeah in oshawa right?
0: maybe like a one five yeah the lowest right Bananas. I mean, like yeah, three thousand. I mean, three thousand square feet big, man. Like, if you're, yeah, I mean, up here, like in Keswick, you're probably again like one five. I think we have one for sale right now. It's like yeah, one one six, right? Like, yeah, that's three thousand square feet. Like, cause you can't, you can't even build that for a million bucks now.
2: No, yeah. that's the thing. I went to this house today, and the agents like, how much do you think to renovate this? And I was like, you have to literally rebuild this thing. This is yeah. eight hundred thousand to a million bucks. It's a little semi.
0: Yeah.
2: Like, construction costs are crazy. I actually, did you see my tweet? Five years ago, hard costs in construction for a mid-rise building were 250 a buildable.
0: Now they're over
2: 500
0: So mid-rise, that's being concrete?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Has
0: to be, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so over six stories, then. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I feel like I got a lot smarter today from this conversation. <laughs> okay? I just feel I've, more
0: confused. I didn't learned, uh, Yeah, yeah me too. I no, feel you've, dumber.
1: You've given, you've given me a lot of stuff to think about and a lot of content. And uh, I definitely, uh, I'm always happy to have you on the show. It's awesome.
0: Yeah, glad I could be of service. I'm always, always happy to join you guys and uh, feel free to give me a shout whenever you're missing a guest. I, uh, I, I love jumping on, especially on short notice.
2: Uh, we really appreciate it. Look, we went into like a soccer style uh, overtime here. This was great.
0: I yeah, yeah. can talk. I feel forever. feel like we always run over an hour, right? Like I oh, think oh my god, time, like, yeah, I got a Absolutely. hard cap. Like and then, yeah, no, it, it's good, man. It, like these are the kind of kind of conversations that are good, right? Like uh, right. you got you got to just let it go and uh, and just just shoot the shit a little bit.
2: A hundred percent, a hundred percent, while deflecting all the uh, insanity. We're- where I don't can even know listeners- how you can possibly handle all the feedback you must get on Twitter with the amount of followers you have.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it, especially when the spaces are on, man, like it's, it that's hard oh, like, I got people DMing me, like mute this guy. Like, Oh shit. This guy's saying stupid. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like look, I'm like, no, I can't be a police officer here guys. Like, I'm just like, I'm not going to do the best job. Like I just, I, I'm, I literally just, press the button and let people talk, like really. And then like try and steer it in a decent direction. Make sure people aren't screaming at each other. Like, I'm not, they do, and
2: they do. This is the draw. This is one of the draws. Yeah, if you haven't checked it out, check out Mr. Foch's spaces on Twitter at T-O-R-E, Toronto Real Estate. Every Thursday. Oh, it's changed now, right? Three. Yeah,
0: yeah. they're three p.m. We're gonna go to summer hours so people can do it, like because I figure a lot of people are driving up north on Thursday nights and stuff like that. For uh... so three p.m. Thursday, three p.m. Eastern time because it is like pretty Canadian now. We got people all over the country tuning in, Um, and yeah, the next one is actually I guess you guys are putting this episode up today probably. So the next episode is uh, about the Bank of Canada rate hike. We're also probably gonna do like maybe a half hour on the election as well. Um, just because that's the that's a provincial election day although i mean it, like I, I saw the polling numbers today it's something like 90 percent likelihood that that, that the, the conservatives are going to win so nobody's really even talking about it um mm. but but we'll talk a little bit about policy there and then um and then we'll go to the bank of canada discussion so it should be a good one i'm really excited about it
2: and then you also have a youtube channel called the canadian bricks and mortar
0: something like that oh, brick something and mortar like I, brick I didn't change mortar. it but yeah i just post like i i'm i'm It's interesting because I was actually going to ask you guys, right, because like uh, you guys are crushing it on YouTube and I wanted to ask how your audio side has been because mine like the audio does well like I do well on the podcast platform, but YouTube I can't get anything like I get maybe 1000 views max right so we uh, don't have the
1: secret. If, if you're yeah, asking us, no, we we're know, doing we're,
0: good in we, the we, audio yeah. too, though. We're the doing really
2: okay good in audio yeah.
1: too. Yeah. But, but we're not, we're not, we're like, on
2: friggin' fire, baby. We're on fire. You, when you when we video, know yeah. what
1: we're doing and why it's working, we'll write a book and we yeah. will give you that copy,
0: you know, yeah. right. our free
2: right. ebook. If you just yeah. look in the <laughs> description below. All right, yeah. Mr. Foch, it's been a pleasure and I have yeah, to go to the bathroom really badly.
0: Okay. Have a good pee. thank you, Enjoy your
1: Sunday boys. Always a pleasure.
0: Always a pleasure.